Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Chapter 6 Deep Round Abruptly, Victor turned and grabbed hold of Tripp's arm, spinning him round. As he was hustled away from the porch, Tripp got a quick impression of red, furniture ripped up, a broken chair with what looked like steak liberally spread around it. We should not be here, Victor ground out. Tripp struggled against the iron grip but could not break free, stumbling as they walked back to the fence. Victor released his arm and turned back towards the house. Stay here, he muttered and without waiting for a response, strode off towards the house. Tripp watched him go, suddenly transported into one of the stories he had read for years, Victor saving lives and fighting evil, his sword ever ready to help the innocent. It was more than that, though, grittier and real, not like the fantasy he'd always imagined. Victor was grim-faced as he emerged from the house and resheathed his sword. What was in there? Tripp asked. Dead bodies. All of them dead. Victor held up his hand to forestall Tripp's next question. They're all dead. Maybe it was the plant thing? Maybe, Victor replied, and maybe it wasn't. Whichever, we're moving. We should bury them, Tripp frowned, then looked out over the field. And we should free the animals. Now look here, lad. Victor was pointing to something further up the valley. Best thing we can do for them is go to Deep Round and let them know something's happened. They can come here, tend to their dead. Better than we will. He dropped his arm and started to walk towards the settlement. With one last look back at the farmhouse, Tripp followed Victor onto the road. Two hours of silent walking brought them to the outskirts of town, and, for a short while at least, Tripp was able to put the horrors of the farmhouse behind him. He walked down the streets, soaking in the sights and sounds. Victor looked down at him with an odd expression. Shut your mouth, boy. You'll catch flies. Anyone would think you'd never seen a town before. I haven't, Tripp replied. I was brought to the monastery as a baby and I've lived there all my life. Fire flashed across his memory again and he closed his eyes tightly. Victor Jun, as I live and breathe. An enormous man was approaching, limply waving a beringed hand at him. He puffed to a stop in front of them, and adjusted his lace-lined tricorn hat. Been a long time! Mm, Victor said, then cleared his throat. Mayor Richardson, he said stiffly. Alf, please, you've done so much for us in the past, the man said, slapping Victor on the back and laughing. Tripp stared up at him, amazed that he was still on his feet. He was sporting a black eye, and when he smiled he was missing a tooth. As well as that, one of his arms was held at an odd angle as if it had been broken and reset badly. Part of the trim on his robe was torn. The smile on his face seemed genuine, though. You keep him well, Victor was saying. Never better, the mayor replied. The whole town is doing so very well at the moment. At first sight, the town had swept Trip away with its grand buildings and bustling streets. Now he stopped and looked closer taking in the boarded-up windows, the doors off their hinges, the piles of debris being diligently swept up by townsfolk. Broken chair legs, chunks of table, chipped knives. If the damage to the furniture was widespread, so too was the damage to the people. Every person Tripp saw had some kind of injury, and he winced as he took a long look around. 
A man fixing a broken window was missing two fingers. The two women with their brooms out sweeping up the debris had bruises all up their arms and one was walking stiffly. The grocer laying his wares out in front of his stall had a patch over one eye and the butcher's head was bandaged with rusty coloured linen, wisps of hair sticking out at all angles. Had any trouble? Bandits? Wild animals alike? Victor asked, looking around. Trip moved closer to him. No, no, no trouble at all, Mayor Richardson replied. What can I do for you? What brings you here? Victor shrugged. Taking the boy to root home. Mayor Richardson peered down at Trip. Is he... is he yours? With a dry little chuckle, Victor said, Mine? What makes you think? Pleasure to meet you, young man, the mayor said, holding his hand out. Trip shook it gently, trying not to stare at the scratches that covered the back of the man's hand. Mayor Richardson nodded and drew himself up. I'm sure you can avail yourselves of food at the inn, and there's horses to purchase at the stables. You'll want to get on quickly, of course. Night time's no time to be out travelling. We brought news as well. Not good. Whole family dead out at the farm. Victor thumbed the air back in the direction they'd come from. Not sure what did it. Looking like wild animals. Frowning, Mayor Richardson said, The farm. Yes. Yes, we knew about the farm. There was something unusual about it. He looked up as if trying to remember something, then towards the centre of town. When he turned back, his expression was solemn. Of course, the farm. We will make the appropriate arrangements. I, I must be away, gentlemen. With that, he pushed between them, heading directly for a small group of people trying to remount a door. Mm, this ain't right, Victor murmured. Ain't right at all. Trip looked around at the untidy street. He said they knew about the farm. If they knew about it, why haven't they done anything about it? Could be scared. Might not know. Might have lied. Who knows? It's not our business, boy. We're bound for the stable. This town owes me. Trip grinned suddenly. I remember a story about Deep Round. One of yours. You fought a giant at the top of a huge tower, and afterwards the mayor of the town promised you riches and you turned him down. You said, I could never take from him more than you have to give. Your thanks is all that I need, and you rode off on your horse. As he spoke, the scene unfolded in his eyes, suddenly given life and colour through meeting the mayor and seeing the town. The tower must have been destroyed in the fight, he finished. You remember an awful lot, boy. Anyone ever tell you that? Victor began to walk towards the centre of town. Ahead, the town church came into view, the rounded end towards them. A few branches were swaying above the walls where the roof ended. I should go to the church, say a prayer, Tripp said as they passed it. I'll only be a few minutes. I'm not waiting, Victor replied, barely slowing his pace. Be at the stables, five minutes. Tripp watched him go, then took a breath and walked through the church's archway. Inside, the air smelled like greenery and old wood. The room was large, well lit thanks to the open air section at the curved end, and seemed completely empty. Tripp removed his sandals and set them to one side, the stone floor cold at first as he set his aching feet down. The church was a long rectangular building with a half circle at the end, open to the sky to allow the one tree light and rain. Moving between lines of pews, Tripp looked carefully around. Everything seemed normal here. The windows had all their glass, all seating intact, and the tree itself was firmly rooted at the far end, protected by the rounded walls. 
The flagstone floor ended in a circle around its broad trunk, the bark of which seemed to exude health and life. Uncountable green leaves swayed in the breeze, interspersed with pinkish-white blossom. Tripp bowed his head for a moment. It wasn't the one tree, of course, just a branch of it, a sapling culled from the arbour, brought here when the town was founded and cared for by the church. Nevertheless, Tripp remembered the long history lesson and precious books absorbed in one reading, each one telling him that the arbour was a living avatar of life in Lyria, in all Arian. Marvellous, isn't it? came a high voice behind him. Startled, Tripp abandoned the prayer halfway through and turned to find a tall, thin man in a brown robe. On his brow he wore a circlet of gold, apparently his only adornment. Ah, forgive me. I didn't mean to startle you, young one. Evidently you are part of the church? The man raised one eyebrow and came to stand next to Tripp. Tripp nodded, then performed a short bow. Tripp, of the Order of the Leaves, Father... Father Liam. Blessings of the One Tree upon you, Tripp of the Order of the Leaves. Blessings upon you, Father Liam. Tripp straightened up and looked back at the tree. Your branch of the arbour is strong, Father. I'm glad to see that. You speak as if you've lost something, young one. What is troubling you? Tripp stared up at him. You haven't heard here, then. The Order of the Leaves is gone. Attacked by... Tripp began, then suddenly recalled the chaos outside. By something. Have you had any trouble here, Father? Father Liam turned to face the tree as well. The arbour keeps us safe. There are wild things on the loose at night. You would do well to stay here tonight with your doors tightly barred and move on as far as you can on the morrow. Tripp studied the man's face. He didn't have a scratch on him, no sign of injury at all. He looked back at the tree. A few leaves had gathered where one root met another, twisting and twining up to the trunk which soared over his head. Tripp bent and picked one up. It was teardrop-shaped fit neatly into his palm, and was brown, fragile, and very, very dead. Tripp turned the leaf over, wondering what could have caused this. Ah, some small animal has evidently made its nest in the tree again. I'll have to chase it down, said Father Liam, reaching out and taking the leaf from Tripp's hand. No worry, vermin are easy to deal with. But animals don't, Tripp began, then realised he was talking to himself. Father Liam had already wandered over to a small door near the entrance, and was rummaging through what appeared to be a storage cupboard. Animals don't nest in the trees, Tripp muttered, then bowed his head and finished his prayer. When his eyes opened, he found himself staring at the small pile of dead leaves on the ground. Despite the sunlight, a chill ran through him. <laughs>